Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now, unless you're using Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories to me has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story and their story is your story and then it's our story and then it's a podcast so it's everybody's story and then you've shared it and gosh that's great huh and even if you don't think you're a nerd you probably are it's easily the most midwestern thing i've ever been a part of Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arno, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. As you probably could have guessed from the last month of Spotlight episodes leading up to it, this week we've got the audio from Mary Beth Smith's final Chicago show with the nerds, recorded this past Saturday at the Cards Against Humanity Theater. Mary Beth curated and hosted the show, and she also requested the music you're about to hear, all set to the theme Feeling the Pull. Uh, I say this in the live audio too, but this was the least morose goodbye show we've ever done at Your Stories, which was absolutely fitting for the warmth and energy MBs brought to the nerds over the last five years. Everyone, please make sure to keep listening to the MBSing podcast, which will continue while Mary Beth's in LA, and send her and Eric some good vibes on their move this week. Uh, We all love you, Mary Beth. Thank you for a fantastic night. so much for being here. Welcome to Your Stories. Uh, Your Stories has been one of my favorite things uh, to consistently be a part of in Chicago. Um, And uh, Eric has done such an amazing job of hosting over the years. So I feel like I have big shoes to fill tonight because I will host us through all of this. Um, Yeah. You're going to get the opportunity to see some of my uh, favorite uh, people that I have gotten a chance to perform with here, tell some stories tonight. It feels really cool to get to share this show with them uh, after all these years and to kind of share them with the show as well. So uh, I'm really excited to hear from everybody, and uh, I appreciate everybody wanting to come out to... uh, to celebrate and, uh, uh, you know, hear some stories and hear some songs that I chose for the house band cover stories to play for you. So those, those guys can come up on stage for us. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, I remember coming to Claire's, uh, send off your stories 
And uh, this, this, particularly the last song she chose, I just fucking cried so much, like so much. And uh, I did not go in that direction. I picked some like get up and go, like inspirational jams uh, that are all like relatively new, um, um, like joys for me in the music world. Uh, this first song is by one of my favorite bands of all time. You too. Uh, <laughs> it's off of their newest album, Songs of Experience. It's a great, great album. I would encourage everyone to check it out. I'm sorry they didn't put it on your phone in iTunes. <laughs> but it's really good. Uh, this was the very first song that played uh, at our wedding. Like, as people were arriving, uh, it started to play and it immediately just like washed over me and I was like, this is gonna be a really good day. Uh, so I'm glad that they're, they're kicking the show off with it. Um, it's just got a, a really good message for, uh, for all the times. Thanks guys. Yeah. I do wanna asterisk that and say, you never know what songs are gonna make people cry. We got, we got about an hour up here, let's see what happens. Okay, okay. But it won't be this one, I think. One, two, three, four. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. Love hurts. And now you look out as left with no words. Your heart's a balloon and then it bursts. It doesn't take a cannon just to pin Your skin's not covering and resistance Love has got to fight for its existence The enemy is armies for assistance The amorous, the glamorous, the kiss A fist, listen to this Get out of your own way She had a plan until she got smacked in the mouth And it all went south like freedom The slaves are looking for someone to lead them The master's looking for someone to need him The promised land is there for those who need it most And Lincoln's girl said Get out of your own way
also, uh, I I thought about saying this before, but it's also just such a guilty pleasure to get to make them play songs that I really like. <laughs> well, and like I have been famously resistant to U2, and then I, I went on tour with the show last year, and Mary Beth had me listen to You Talking U2 to me, and I kind of came around, and I associate that music with her so hard. Dwight's still, I think, a little on the resistant side. <laughs> I'll sing anything for you. Oh. I appreciate it. Uh, and I'll say, get out of your own way, guys. It's good rock and roll uh, music. So. Uh, uh, this next song is another, like, I love listening to this, like, on my way to shows and stuff, um, just because it, it pumps me up so hard. It's another good, like, um, uh, don't let anybody hold you down kind of jam. Um, it's uh, by Lizzo and featuring, I was going to try to pull up the, some the other, other artist. Caroline Smith. Yeah. Is no relation to me, Katie Johnson. <laughs> I stole half my last name from my ex-husband. So. Uh, Any relation to your ex-husband? No. <laughs> also, no relation to Mary Beth Smith. No. Oh wow! So many <laughs> Smiths. Yeah, Caroline Smith. Um, this is a great song, and they're gonna sound good on it. So I'm gonna let them do it.
Um, man, that was so good. I, I forgot it had that line in it about five foot two and a natural woman. I, know, <laughs> I was like, oh, we can fun. replace Mama with Mary Beth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good edit. I like that edit. Uh, so usually here, our stories, we like to start the show, uh, or we like to start the stories, stories rather, with a member of the Nerdlogs, just to uh, show everybody how it's done. And uh, tonight, that is Katie. Um, when Katie joined the group, it was like we were an oasis. And I had never experienced someone um, just so immediately, like, embracing a group of people so like wholly and blindly and uh i will never forget how it felt to just have her be there and you know you say jump she says how high and uh i love her so much and i think you've already seen how incredibly talented she is so i'm gonna let her have have the stage I'm Katie Johnston-Smith. As Mary Beth said, um, when I joined the group, it was an oasis for me. I was going through a bunch of like tough personal shit, and the Nerdalogs had my back through that. Mary Beth being like one of like the the people who had it like real hard, and um, she is a great person and like probably like one of the like most genuinely kind and wonderful human beings. I know she's also a good barometer. If Mary Beth doesn't like somebody, you know they fucking suck. <laughs> what? I call them like I see. I know you do. Um, uh, and I am just like so honored that she like asked me to tell a story at this. It was like when I got the email saying like, "Will you tell a story at this?" I was I cried because <laughs> it just meant a lot to uh, to because if Mary I know also like if Mary Beth does like you, you feel really valid as a person um, because she like really she like can see into somebody's soul and like like knows how to make you your best self and like help like champion who who you can be and how to make you better. And also she is like the best person ever. Um, something my mom once said to me, she's like, the only one of your friends I would listen to and take advice from is Mary Beth. And uh, it goes without without saying, I think I already said it, she's very inspirational to me. And I was thinking about the theme that she um, put forward for this night called Feeling the Pull. Um, And I was, true story, thinking about it while taking a shit. And... Um, started like singing a song, um, and I wrote like basically the whole song while shitting. <laughs> while shitting. <laughs> and I'm gonna play it for y'all now. <laughs> so can Eric and Dwight please come? <laughs> I want it no other way. Yeah, it's not a song about poop at all, but it I did write it while pooping. Um, <laughs> And now you all know. You should sit and recreate. I'm not going <laughs> to. But yes, this was inspired by Mary Beth. Um, so thank you, Mary Beth.
My heart is heavy like it's lost its shot But I've not given all I've got I'm racing forward trying to get ahead But running on empty won't get you fed Thank you Awesome, uh, and it it pointed out the fact that I forgot to say what tonight's theme was. Uh, tonight's theme is feeling the pull. Uh, so the storytellers have the option of being inspired by that as a theme. Uh, so don't get mad at anybody if it, if you like think real hard about their piece and it, it doesn't like this doesn't feel like the pull to me. Um, this next storyteller, thank you, Garda. <laughs> uh, this next storyteller, I think I met originally at the Playground Theater because he was on a team there that was a little more established than mine was. And I remember looking up to their, their team as a whole because they seemed to kind of like have their shit together a little more than some of the other teams over there did at the time. And uh, the team I was on also felt like exciting and, uh, and you know, um, cohesive in a way that that it didn't always uh, over at the playground. Um, but uh, a, a few years after that, I got the opportunity to uh, be on a new team uh, that Steve was also going to be a member of. So I, when that happened, I was just like, Jesus, really? Like this guy? These people? Oh, my God. This is the lottery. Yes, I will do this. Steve Nelson. Um. Uh, Mary Beth, thank you so much for, for asking me to do this, and I'll just echo what was already said that, you know, uh, I was really honored when I got the email to ask uh, to, to read something or to, to tell a story, and yeah, it's been, um, you've been, uh, you know, such a wonderful friend and such an inspiration um, to collaborate with, you know, it's been, I'm not great with small talk, um, and so it's always really nice when we talk, because we can say, like, how are you doing, and we really tell each other, and I think that uh, kind of is a good sum up for our friendship and it really means a lot to me. Um, I did try to write about the theme. <laughs> uh, uh, my story is called Feeling the Pull. Um, I was born and raised in Rockford, Illinois, about an hour and a half west of Chicago. Uh, over the years, it has periodically been, unjustly from my perspective, on various lists of worst cities in America. <laughs> Say what you want about many of its aspects, but Rockford has one of the best municipal park systems in the country. There are seven major parks and countless small neighborhood ones with playground equipment and sports fields scattered throughout the city. There are also a couple large county-maintained forest preserves in the area. Taken together, they offer substantial recreation, adventure, and beauty. Growing up, I was a chubby kid, the subject of no small amount of ridicule and cruelty. But every summer, I was able to escape my archetypal role when I went to camp. The Rockford Park District offered a variety of types of camps for all age groups, and I attended them all. Day camp, sleepaway camp, backpacking, and bike camp. I loved them all, and what they all had in common were two things. At them, I could be whoever I wanted to be. I brought into them no baggage, no history. I could make friends easily because all of us were working from square one. The second thing was that they all involved, no surprise, being in nature. 
and I discovered a deep resonance with the forests and hills, the rivers and lakes that I spent my summers in. I felt at home in the woods. I felt comfortable. There was a time it was one of the only places I did. And as time went on, I found I had an affinity for it. Hiking, canoeing, making a fire, and cooking over it. I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I had some skills. When I aged out of going to camp, I became a camp counselor. And that summer job, along with the measured relief of high school, opened up my social circle and got me out of my shell. I was a camp counselor for seven years, all through high school and for the bulk of college. Those were some of the best summers of my life. Stinking like campfire and bug spray, arguing with eight-year-olds about what was for lunch, <laughs> driving the tractor with eight, 30 screaming kids in the trailer behind me. In college, after a summer of working at Camp Conestoga, some friends and I, instigated by our love of the outdoors, planned a trip west for a little national parks tour. We left in the afternoon and drove all night. It was dawn when we came into the Badlands National Park in South Dakota. The sky was a screaming yellow, yellow, and all around us were these beautifully alien mud rock formations spreading out to the horizon. We stood there in awe. It was breathtaking. We were silenced by the splendor and vastness of Mother Nature. And for a moment, we were part of her grace. And that feeling is something I've chased ever since. After the Badlands, we went to Yellowstone, then the Rocky Mountains National Park, where we hiked Pike's Peak. On our way down, fueled by youthful idiocy and THC, <laughs> we began to jog down the mountain, then run, <clears throat> letting gravity pull us forward, gaining momentum as we cornered switchbacks and leapt boulders. And for a good 10 minutes, it was pure exhilaration. We were conquering the mountain. We were young. We were invincible. But, like Icarus, <laughs> my hubris was inevitably punished. I lost my balance and fell, crashing and sliding on the gravel path. The camera I wore on a shoulder strap was broken and my arms and legs were scraped and bleeding. I was hurt and I was embarrassed. But I popped up and my friends washed me off with the water from their canteens and we finished the descent at a more stately pace. Since that first trip, I've been to the Glacier National Park, the Grand Tetons, the Grand Canyon, Shenandoah, Shenandoah and many state and local parks all across the country. I just got back yesterday from a trip with my girlfriend in New Mexico. The major reason for our visit was to go to Carlsbad Caverns and the White Sands National Monument, which we did, and both were spectacular. All this to say, nature is one of my great passions. Wherever I go, I seek it out, and the closest park I, I can hike through, I do it. It gives me an inexplicable, inexplicable joy and a deep satisfaction. I return to it again and again and again. I place my time, energy, and money on the altar of the Earth Mother. And I encourage you to find your passion, whatever they may be, to pursue them if you found them. And if you already are, I wish you good luck and Godspeed. And if someday pride gets the better of you and the gods justly bring you low, simply pick yourself up and continue down the path because around the next turn, the next bend is the next opportunity, the next adventure. Thanks. That was wonderful. Uh, the next submission is a remote one. Uh, I, I invited this person um, tonight, but she couldn't make it. Um, she asked me if she could send me something to either play or include on the podcast. Uh, so we're going to see what that is. Um, <laughs> when I met Sarah Shockey, she was working in the box office at I.O., and it was my first day as an intern there. And we, uh, I had this real sweet internship where I just had to show up on Saturday afternoons and like take calls in the uh, 
box office so we just like dicked around for like six hours every Saturday or something like that and man it was great and then she told me um I hope this isn't a part of what she submitted but it's a it's a great story uh she told me that when I stepped into the box office that morning uh, because I had been a little late, uh, as I want to do, she didn't think there was an intern coming that day. So she had just let a big fart just like rip into the box <laughs> office. And I walked in the door and she brought a banana with her. So she furiously started opening the banana and eating it to try to let the banana smell mask the fart smell. <laughs> so, uh, that's Sarah Shockey. Uh, you, you ready up there? Everybody wants to, wants to. Everybody wants to go to Hollywood. I met Mary Beth Smith at the I.O. box office. I thought I was going to be working my shift alone that day, so when she came in at the exact same moment that I had ripped the jankiest fart in the world, I was surprised. In an effort to maintain my dignity, I started eating a banana with more enthusiasm than I've ever eaten a banana in my life, and she didn't say a word. I would have gotten away with it, only I liked her so much that I ended up telling her the entire truth about the fart, and that's how we became friends. One of those early box office days, Mary Beth told me she was thinking about starting a podcast. And I told her what I tell everyone who's thinking about starting a podcast. You should do it. Only she started hers, and it became one of the best podcasts in the world. I mean, she's got hundreds of guests to thank. And it's because of her care and her skill and the fact that she went and did it. Everybody wants to, wants to. Everybody wants to go to Hollywood. I went to the movies once and saw Anomalisa. It was a Charlie Kaufman semi-animated movie that everybody said was going to be one of the movies of the year. I felt like people kind of acted like they liked it. But I ended up going out with Mary Beth and her boyfriend at the time, now husband Eric, and my boyfriend at the time, now ex. And one of the four of us admitted that we didn't like that movie at all, that we actually thought it sucked hugely. At Mary Beth's wedding, everyone around me was given the table waitress to sit at, but I was given Anomalisa. And I think that that speaks to the fact that the four of us that night knew that something was amiss. And the fact that it's still remembered to this day means a lot to me. Everybody wants to, wants to. Everybody wants to go to Hollywood. Mary Beth has been such a value to me this whole time. She was an extra in the Shakti's pilot. She was a street urchin in the upstairs gallery Christmas Carol. She included me in the fishbowl when I wasn't doing improv anywhere else in the city. And I'm gonna miss her a whole bunch. But the fact is, 
world is smaller than ever with technology now. You can find each other. You can do things that you couldn't do before. You can keep up with people. And going into Hollywood, I mean, it's a business where we can collaborate with one another. We can create. The thing that we have now that started at I.O. is going to continue because everybody wants to, wants to, everybody wants to go to Hollywood. And in case you're wondering, that song's an inside joke too. And if she wants to explain it, she can. And if she doesn't, that's her opinion, that's her choice. I want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank Mary Beth Smith. For being an inspiration to everybody who dreams of going to That was amazing. I'm really glad that I didn't listen to that before I came. Because uh, how good was it for you guys to hear that story twice? Uh, I'm not going to tell you about what that inside joke is, because it would be impossible. It's just a video of this lady dancing to that song. And, uh, we watched it before we rehearsed or performed a show together that we did last October, and um, that's the whole that's the whole story. That's really the whole joke. <laughs> now you know I I didn't want to explain it. Uh, this woman uh, has actually become friends. Wait, 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 wait. I gotta check my running order to make sure I'm doing this right, um, because I don't think. That's who's next. Yeah, I was right. Um, this gentleman <laughs> um, I've known for many, many years, uh, and uh, he was the one who sent me that email to see if I wanted to play on a team with all these people that I, I just thought were absolute rock stars. Um, but I met Jimmy originally doing Splatter Theater at The Annoyance. And uh, man, that was another thing where uh, when the when the director approached me to see if I wanted to do the show, I was just like, "Okay, good one. Um, you're thinking of someone else." Uh, and I, I just felt like I I hit the absolute lottery to get to to play with these people and and to be a part of that show and to do it for a few years after that and meet so many other cool people because of it. Um, if you've never seen the show, it's 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 running right now at the Annoyance, and it's just like such a cool spectacle of a thing so I'd encourage you to go check it out it was a, a thrill to be a part of and I'm really glad that it established a relationship uh, between Jimmy and I uh, and I um, will have no further ado but to bring up Jimmy Pennington oh, thank you Mary Beth uh, I already did a fawning story about you on a different podcast so listen to that yeah. um, so uh, I uh, took the suggestion of feeling the pull and uh, I grew up in a town uh, called Nazareth Pennsylvania uh, Nazareth is outside of Bethlehem Pennsylvania 
so you get it. Uh, and uh, I grew up in a house that was uh, kind of plagued by <clears throat> violence and anxiety. It was not a comfortable place to be. So feeling the pull actually immediately made me think of how much I tried to get out of the house when I was a kid. I always felt this pull when I was like 15 or 16 to go hang out with friends. And it made friends uh, the kind of ways that kids who come from those kinds of homes make kids, uh, make friends, which is badly. So I made friends with these guys, God love them, uh, but uh, what we would do with uh, me, Brian, Kyle, and Chung is uh, Chung would pick me up at about 6 o'clock. Uh, my curfew was like 11. He would pick me up in his hatchback that had a 15-inch subwoofer in the back. So you would hear him coming about four blocks before he got to my house because he also had a cheap car. So you'd hear it rattling because he was listening to like what he had this tape that was 30 minutes of just bass. And so he would put this tape in when he went through this like Nazareth and it would literally just go for in, in ad infinitum like and it would just rattle everything it would drive everybody insane he would pick us all up uh, we'd go buy cigarettes uh, but at that time was smoking Newports which I loved uh, we would go to the Pembroke housing projects which is where we hung out that's where my grandmother lived and we would go to this place called uh, the eight ball pool hall and so we would play pool and uh, this is what I did when I was like 16 and uh, <laughs> So the one night, uh, you know, you hang out with people and we were like thick as thieves. We did a lot of stuff together. We smoked weed for the first time together. We used to buy 40s and uh, we used to buy 40s at this place that would sell them to apparently literally anyone. And uh, we would drive around Chung's car through the uh, forests and we would turn off the headlights and try to drive by the moonlight, which is also a lyric from a song now that I'm saying it. Drive by the moonlight. Oh, Red Dirt Road by Brooks and Dunn. Okay, so uh, I wish I hadn't known that. Uh, and so we would drink 40s, drive through the forest, turn off the headlights. And uh, so the one night, Chung was like, uh, the statute of limitations has passed, so this is fine. Uh, Chung was like, there's this guy at school, and he's fucking with my girlfriend. And we were like, let's get him. <laughs> and so he was like, well, I'm going to stop at my cousin's house. So we went to his cousin's house, and he comes outside. <laughs> Well, this story's about to take a left turn. Uh, so he comes outside with a gun. And he said, we're going to go find this guy and we're going to threaten him. And I was like, all right. And for some reason, that never thought, like nothing ever crossed my mind of like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> so he hands me this gun. I now know it was probably a 9mm semi-automatic, but at the time it seemed like a cannon. And he was like, just hide this and we're gonna go pick the other guys up. So we go and pick the other guys up. I have this gun, I have it shoved under my leg. And so we're driving around Nazareth, Pennsylvania, <laughs> looking for Freddy. And we looked all over for Freddy, you know? We looked in all the garages where guys fix their cars. We looked in the park where you secretly smoked weed. That's it. <laughs> I'm sure that we drove past the 7-Eleven parking spot, but he was not there. And, uh, you know, we never found Freddy. And, you know, it's funny. It's an anticlimactic story. We didn't find Freddy. Uh, <laughs> we ended up driving around drinking and shooting guns out the car window. I'm alive. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, and also, just as a little aside, that part of the story also makes me really hate 
how uh, the people characterize kids who get in trouble with gun violence. How fast it happens is kind of like insane when you think about it. But if you've never been put in that position, you can't possibly think anybody, if you have been in that position, you can't possibly think somebody's like a thug or an asshole because they do this stuff. They're sad and they're lost. That's why they do this stuff. That's enough. That's all I'm going to say about it. But anyway, uh, that was the first time I had ever really thought about, uh, you know, how dangerous my life was starting to become. And it actually kind of got significantly more dangerous as I got older. There were a lot more guns, a lot meaner people. Uh, and that pull was always there for me toward violence. You know what I mean? Toward people who are capable of violence, towards people who look at violence as an outlet, because that's where I came from. And I thought I was going away from it when I hung out with these people. That's what I thought my escape was. To get away from my violent family, I went and hung out with violent people because it gave me control. You know, It made me feel like, oh, I can control this violence, so I'm not a victim of it. Oh, I'm a perpetrator of it. That didn't happen until much later that I realized that. But I think what's interesting is how these things shift. You know, I got older and I started to recognize these things. And I also am thankful literally every day of my life that the only reason I'm able to have that kind of switch in uh, perspective is because of luck. There is no uh, education that made me understand that. I'm pretty well educated, I suppose. There's no like uh, magic pill that I took. I, I just was allowed to get older by some fate, right? The only reason I have this perspective on it is because I, I just got lucky. And now my pull is toward trying to help people, hopefully, get out of those situations because maybe they don't even recognize that they're in them sometimes. And I like comedy and improv because of the pay. <laughs> Come on, guys, that's a joke. But, uh, but also because a lot of times with this stuff, you can really disarm people with humor, and especially people who come from these things. Broken people make comedy, and broken people make violence. And those two worlds work together. <laughs> but something about that uh, is the end of the story, so thanks. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm glad you got lucky, Jimmy. Um, uh, this next storyteller was on my first improv team in Chicago. Um, as I mentioned uh, in my story, uh, she was on the team and it was established before I, I got added to it. And I, I got a chance to see them perform before I was added as a member. And I was like, they're really funny. Uh, they're really good. Uh, yeah, I hope I get to be on a team like that someday. Um, uh, so, so that was really cool. And uh, everyone on that team uh, was just a team full of incredibly intelligent and incredibly funny people. Um, but everyone on that team would tell you that this person is the smartest one. She was the smartest one of all of us. Uh, we're all just trying to keep up with her. Uh, Liz Cole. Like everyone, I was very touched to be asked to come here tonight. And I thought it was very fitting that I was asked twice. Um, you sent out an email, and um, in typical fashion, 
I forgot to respond to it after adding to my 1,000 starred emails in my <laughs> inbox, thinking I should really get back to her. Um, and then you asked me again, and uh, it, it reminded me of, uh, you know, what I always think of about Mary Beth is that she's someone who has shown up for me um, over and over again, whether it's going running at 6 in the morning or waiting five hours at my bachelorette party for me to sing zombie with a band and then get out of there. Um, or driving to St. Louis um, over and over again listening to shed music. So showing up for people is not something that is a great strength of mine. So I'm working on it. And I, I think of Mary Beth as an inspiration in that area. But speaking of running, <laughs> I started running because it's a sport you can do alone. No teams to get picked last for, no balls to try and fail to catch, no opponent to lose gracefully to. You can be really bad at running without anybody else having to know, and that's why I was drawn to it. After a lifetime of avoiding all sports, it was wonderful to completely and totally just suck at my chosen sport in absolute privacy. <laughs> Which is why it was such a surprise and such a mistake when I signed up to run a half marathon with my then boyfriend, an actual athlete but non-runner who had decided on a whim that he was interested in running half marathons. This had put me in a mood. <laughs> the weather on the morning of the race was like the inside of somebody's mouth. <laughs> I had regretted signing up in the first place and now I was actively angry about it. At 85 degrees and 90% humidity, my already unimpressive performance was at risk of becoming truly embarrassing. <laughs> Boston's Run to Remember Half Marathon starts at the Seaport World Trade Center, parading runners through the Financial District, the historic North End, then out along the Charles River into Cambridge, winding back to take you through Back Bay, and then a hearty to-do list of other tourist destinations and colonial-era landmarks all the way back to the seaport. It was somewhere near the bronze Paul Revere statue, two miles in, that I first started feeling like I was probably going to have diarrhea. <laughs> no, actually, I was definitely going to have diarrhea. <laughs> By my estimate, I had about an hour and 48 minutes left in the race. I was actually going a little faster than I had expected, and I was on track to beat my one previous race result by a good margin. The humidity wasn't bothering me that much, so pooping would have to wait. I may not have been a fast runner, but I was a consistent runner. I was committed. If I was going to suffer the indignity of training all season under the patronizing encouragement of my partner, who was surely two miles ahead of me by now, despite having never run a race before, <laughs> the last thing I was going to do was stop. Four miles later, in the blaring sun of Memorial Drive near MIT, things started to feel much different. I had slowed down a lot. The waves of intestinal contractions were coming every two minutes now, and as they washed through me, I counted each of my steps under my breath in order to give myself a mental focal point. This is what I imagined labor and childbirth would be like. Today, I can take a quick aside to let you know that labor and childbirth actually turned out to be much easier than this. <laughs> This 
counting and clenching and sweating and thinking, come on, butthole, come on. As I rounded each corner past the public gardens, the Massachusetts Historical Society, and the Union Oyster House, I reached the finish line in actual tears. I don't know how. I did not beat my previous time, but I also somehow did not shit my pants while running. <laughs> the finish line of the run to remember feeds into the street level convention floor of the Seaport World Trade Center. In front of me was a sea of other slow people, many of them in costumes, slowly winding their way through the finish. There was at this point a line of obstacles between me and the restrooms at the back of the convention hall. Medals go on, photos get taken, I walk down an assembly line of post-race items, pallets of water bottles, heaps of ripe bananas, overflowing boxes of freshly baked bagels, snacks and coupons and commemorative koozies. I take one of each as fast as I can manage, stuffing it all blindly into this branded tote bag, and then finally pushing my way through the mob to the back of the convention floor, where a line of women observe my beet red, tear-stained face and wordlessly let me scramble past them into one of the restroom stalls. I'm not going to describe what happened in there. In fact, I can't. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking right now, you are correct. <laughs> it was awful, gruesome. But what mattered most was that it was over. I had struggled, I had suffered, I had excreted something that I was certain contained small pieces of my actual brain, <laughs> and now I was done. I exhaled, I congratulated myself on surviving, and I reached for the toilet paper. Now, I may have mentioned this once or twice, but I was not among the first people to finish this race, which meant I was not among the first people to use this restroom stall. You can see where this is going. There was no toilet paper in this stall. I was crestfallen. <laughs> I have come so close to surviving this day, this veritable parade of humiliation, only to end up alone in a convention center bathroom stall covered in my own poisonous smelling feces, carrying only a comically large medal and a bag of random groceries. <laughs> and that's the story of the time I wiped my ass with an everything bagel. <laughs> My, that might be the best last line of a York story that I've been present for. Uh, the, I, I meant to do this when I introduced Liz, um, but uh, when I was um, unemployed for a little while, uh, towards the beginning of my time here, um, Liz invited our team to do a like, fitness challenge, a six-week fitness challenge. And if I had not been unemployed, I probably would have been like, no thanks. <laughs> uh, but because I was, I was like, please, yes, give me anything structure in my life, please. Uh, and the idea was that you set three fitness goals and one personal goal that was non-fitness related for, to complete over the course of that six weeks. Um, my uh, The fitness goals I accomplished relatively easily. I, I set myself up for some success and like I said I had a decent amount of time on my hands 
But the personal goal that I set uh, was that I wanted to start a podcast. Um, and I, I wanted to have released, I think I said, three episodes by the end of the six weeks. And uh, the last week of the challenge rolled around, and I had released zero episodes. Uh, and so I sat in my room, and I... Uh, got on mic for like 20 minutes and described what I wanted to do, or at least what I thought I wanted to do at the time uh, with what became MBSing. And right before the challenge was over, uh, and right after, I spoke to Sarah Shackey in the IO box office, as she mentioned, um, I posted the first episode. And uh, for almost five years, I released an episode every single week. And that is something that I will always be proud of. And uh, I'm not ending the show. I'm going to um, bring it back more uh, strongly than it has been this year once we get out to L.A. Because uh, it's a good excuse to um, invite someone to talk to you for like an hour and a half and just uh, pick their brain and be two people in a room for a while. And I cherish the conversations that I've had with people on that show um, more than most creative, maybe any creative endeavor I've, I've had a chance to be a part of. Or it's easily the thing that I'm personally uh, the most, you know, glad that I did. And I, I don't know if I ever would have started it without Liz's, uh, Liz's fitness challenge. Um, cool. The time has come for me to tell a story. <clears throat> I remember tearfully telling my mom that I didn't want to apply to grad schools toward the end of my junior year. I think that was my very first step toward Chicago. I remember getting beers during my senior year with my friends Jacob and Ben and hatching the plan to move in the fall. Jacob had come here for comedy studies and he knew I would like it here. I remember after graduation, my roommate's mom telling me that I had to get to Chicago to keep sharing my joy. It made such an impact that it featured in my first piece for your stories and my wedding vows. I, re <laughs> I remember peeling out of the driveway of my childhood home in Lancaster, South Carolina to run one last errand before Jacob and his dad arrived in the moving truck. I was blasting, feeling the pull by the swell season, and on my way home, I stopped at my childhood best friend's house so that her dad could gift me a heated mattress pad, and that is a detail that stuck with me enough that I mentioned it in a piece for your stories two years ago. I remember cresting into Chicago, admiring her skyline for the very first time, and seeing a huge billboard for a bank that read, MB means business <laughs> and I remember thinking hell yeah I do <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had been sitting in a folding chair between the two seats of the moving truck for the entire drive <laughs> and I had never stepped foot in this city let alone the apartment that we were about to move into I have no fucking clue how I had the guts to move here. The longer that I do it, the more that I think being a good performer is 
finding a perfect balance between self-confidence and self-awareness. And I think looking back, the scales were tipping more towards the former at the time. <laughs> I just finished college and was like the king of this small pond. And I was like, yeah, let me at a real place. Uh, <laughs> I remember my first day of class at the Annoyance Theater. <laughs> I remember meeting Alex Talavera there and needing to find out what the Nerdalogs was. I remember telling Lindsay Stelty during level three that I wasn't planning to audition for One Group Mind because I didn't think I had enough experience. And I remember her assuring me that I did. <laughs> she tipped the scale back to confidence enough for me to give it a shot. I remember getting the email that I'd been added to an already existing team in the organization an outcome that I had specifically deemed best case scenario as I knew my favorite OGM team had a few open spots. I remember the scale tipping back into too much self-awareness as I met and began to perform with that team, Reagan Reagan. Holy shit, these people were so much more experienced and much smarter players than I was. I mean, Liz, Joe Gennaro, come on, have you guys met that guy? Uh, they, they were on that team with me. But I, I came around pretty quickly, and I was able to perform with them more confidently because their kindness and our camaraderie as a unit, unit uh, tipped the scales back. I remember Chris Geiger and Kevin Reeder approaching me after an OGM show at Studio B to ask me if I would sit in with the Nerdlocks for an improv show they were putting together with the creators of Cards Against Humanity. I was ecstatic and definitely plunged back into crippling self-awareness for those first couple of shows. <laughs> but again, the group buoyed me back to confidence. They liked having me around enough to add me as a member and bring my podcast onto their budding network of sorts. I remember getting an email from Jimmy Pennington, asked me if I wanted to join a new team of just all-star improvisers, some people I had admired for years. All of this shit was just life-affirming. I'd look back to that folding chair in the moving truck and think, damn, maybe I really did do the right thing. And now here we are. A week from today, I'll make another big move, but it couldn't be more different. I've been to LA about four times, uh, two of those thanks to the Nerdalogs. I'll be flying out a week from today next to my husband, a man that I met thanks to trying out for that one group mind team <laughs> seven years ago. A person I feel like with whom I can accomplish anything because my scale stays so balanced. I came here with no job and one friend. I'm leaving here with no job. <laughs> <laughs> Countless friends and a couple of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm half expecting that when we land at LAX, we'll see a sign that reads, EMBS, Eric and Mary Beth stink. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
But before that, I'm going to have Eric join me to perform what I'm going to consider the title track of tonight's show. Thank you all for coming and for being my friend. Uh, Eric Garneau has done me the great favor of uh, joining me for many songs after I finished a, a story here at Your Stories over the years. Uh, so it feels um, nice and kind of full circle to be kind of like passing the torch of, of some sort. And uh, uh, thank you, Eric, for doing that with me. And thank you, Eric, for doing this with me tonight. Um, I'm going to pull up the lyrics because I always fuck up one line and I know <laughs> if I don't look at it I might uh, might do it again and I don't want to do it so do you need me to vamp <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, I think you answered that question by just jumping into action my dear uh, this is a, a song, like I said, by the Swell Season, uh, Glenn Hansard and Marquette's Eric Globo. Um, and uh, I, th I will probably listen to it at some point next Saturday. <laughs> well, I'm heading back to pack a bag to head out on the road and take away what I know is mine. And I'm running down past the yellow house with Joe into the breeze where no one seems to care. And I'm feeling the pull dragging me off again. And I'm feeling so small against that big sky tonight. Well, stories of an open line and every time we work ourselves up into a rage. We smash and grab and pull the handle, no one says, but everybody wants to be the one just climbing out and I'm feeling the pull, dragging me off again, and I'm feeling so small against that big sky tonight. have in terms of stories to see us off into some uh, mingling and into the rest of our nights. Uh, we'll have cover stories back on stage for two more songs. All right, Dwight, I need you. Uh, yeah, I mean, just in general, like, I need Dwight, but specifically for this song. Just for support. Yeah, no, I don't need you to like open your mouth. Just need your body heat here, making me feel loved. So, uh, do you want to intro this one, or should I oh, take yeah, it away? No, it's, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, don't, don't apologize. Um, I've done this seven years. I can take yeah, one yeah. more night. So this, uh, just to give, just to give them a little color about about why I picked them anyway, I guess. 
Um, I, I've I really like this band. And I feel like they get a bad rap, but uh, this this is an, another song that I've listened to this song so many times on my way to shows, just because it's like really upbeat and it just like it just pumps me up. Uh, so uh, this is a, this is a tune from the Avid Brothers. goodbye show we've ever had which is fantastic I'm not gonna make it super sad I do just instead of me being long-winded and saying how much I love Mary Beth I just want to call back to an event we've talked about a couple times tonight which is her wedding which is amazing I want to give a shout out to um, Joe to and Mary Beth they got married to like a week apart from each other and they both had like the most honest and heartfelt and like from the heart weddings among like uh, that I've ever been to it was so great it really felt like I don't know it felt like a you guys like, it felt like the Nerdalogs ethos, oh. you know? Like, I loved it so much. Thank you. Um, I wish Ryan Ben was here because he quoted this song in your vows. And I think this is like the quintessential Mary Beth song. You can take a break if you want. Say, yeah, you don't have to sit here while I do this. Um, but when I think about Mary Beth, I think about the, the line in this song. Um, you got a heart so big, you c it could crush this town. 
the rest of the song is kind of about an unrequited, uh, unrequited romance, so let's forget about that. And just, just focus on the fact that this is about someone with a big heart. So this is uh, Tom Petty. This is Walls. One, two, three. Why am I counting off? I'm the only one up here. <laughs> Some days are diamonds. Some days are rocks. Some doors are open. Some roads are blocked. Sundowns are golden. Then fade away. But if I never do nothing, I'll get you back someday. Cause you got a heart so big. It could crush this town Oh, I can't hold out forever Even walls fall down All around your island There's a barricade That keeps out the danger That holds in the A heart so big It could crush this town I can't hold out forever Even walls fall down Some things are over And some things go on The part of me I carry But you got a heart so big It could crush this town I can't hold out forever Even walls fall down You got a heart so big It could crush this town I can't hold out forever Even walls fall Thanks for everything, MV. Um, much like when Ryan uh, quoted that uh, during our wedding ceremony, that made me cry. I told you, don't count it out at the top of the show. <laughs> uh, it, I, I know I've told some uh, people involved uh, with this show and in the Neurologues uh, this, but um, it, it should be here too, that performing at your stories absolutely helped me write my wedding vows <laughs> because it was something that I had been you know tossing around in my head for the weeks coming up to it but when it came down to it I just sat down and just plowed it all out and I was like yeah that looks good <laughs> and I don't know if I would have been able to do that as confidently without this to you know get a lot of good heartfelt practice in um, this last song is uh, a, a music, or a, a perf, uh, an artist that I'm honestly, admittedly, not very familiar with a lot of his work, but I just like the idea of him because I grew up with this deep love of country music 
and um, and looking back, so much of it was not good. <laughs> but there is still such so much of it that I believe is truly so good, and and it's a very um, hard genre to you know really dig into right now because uh, you mentioned uh, rather it was Jimmy mentioned Brooks and Dunn earlier. It's like. And I think it's big and rich who are like very publicly, terribly politically, just like really nightmares to like. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need those people's music in my life. But this dude is cool. He's pretty progressive, and he's trying to kind of make country music into this thing that is uh, is very relevant to what's going on today. And, and uh, this song um, definitely feels like that. Uh, so I'm gonna let them take it away. This is Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. Alright, now I can count. One, two, three, four. Please get it in your head. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear fighting off a breakdown. I myself am on the brink. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again, and we can search each other's dreams. I know you're tired and you ain't sleeping well. Uninspired and likely mad as hell. But wherever you are, I hope the high road leads you home again. I heard enough of the one man's blues. I sang enough about And you ain't sleeping well. Honey, 
This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.